0: 黒いマスク Speed so Batman, Batman. and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I'm Sully, and today we have a kind of a special bonus episode. I am talking with Eric Elliott, the man behind the new Batman meets Godzilla webcomic inspired by the treatment for a lost movie that was going to be made during the 60s where Batman, the Adam West Batman specifically, was going to meet with the King of the Monsters in Tokyo. So... This is going to be kind of a quick interview with Eric to kind of figure out where this project came from and what made you
1: want to do this project. Yeah, so thanks, Sully. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for um, giving this project some exposure. And So basically, for me, this is kind of a fulfillment of a, a bucket list, um, which is I always wanted to you know, create a comic book. So this is actually my first entry into comics. I've been a writer for a while and, and blogger, but I've never really done a webcomic and so this kind of fell into my lap last year as a treatment that for the original batman meets godzilla movie was was kind of surfaced and it kind of was brought to my attention through another podcast called the gilbert godfrey he's got an amazing colossal podcast is what it's called and so they were talking to chip kid who's a batman author and graphic designer and they brought this up And so another listener, uh, another fan of the show kind of posted on the Facebook page that he had tracked down the treatment and asked if anybody would be interested in, um, you know, working with him on doing something with it. And that guy was uh, Brian Richard. So he he and I kind of started off uh, kicking around some ideas, what we could do with it. And we hit upon this idea of doing a a webcomic and bringing in, you know, different artists to help um, pull it together and um, kind of use it as a vehicle to you know, resurrect this lost project, but also to to give exposure to some of these new. A lot of them are new, but we also have some veteran artists as well working on the project, but just kind of use that as a way to promote the project and promote the people working on it. And so for me, you know, I actually took the treatment and adapted it into a, a comic book script and uh, went out to Facebook groups. And so this was all really enabled through social media. So I went out to different groups and said, hey, I want to do this project. Who's interested? And, you know, I wasn't sure (laughs) if there was going to be anybody uh, to answer the call. But, you know, within a week, I had like 25 people raise their hand. And we started going to work on polishing the script and making page assignments. And it really came together pretty quick because we really started that uh, conversation back in November of last year. And, you know, when we delivered... The, the issue one just um last week. Yes, as we're recording that we're recording
0: on March fifth, so the the first um, issue has only been out for about a week or so. And to kind of put a a timeline on this project, um, the original treatment, it kind of surfaces in 1965. So the Batman 60s television show began shooting in late 1965. Debuts January 66. And uh, Shinichi Sekazawa is the uh, we is. But did he was he the first person to come up with the idea of Batman meeting Godzilla, or was that
1: William Dozier, the producer? Of the well, 60s that's show? what that's a great question. It's something that we really don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever we we will ever know. So what we have to work with is the an English treatment that was found in the William Dozier archive, and William Dozier was the producer of the Batman TV series. But um, there was a, a book that uh, John LeMay brought to my attention, who's a, you know, a pretty well-known kaiju film writer. Um, he, had a, he published a book called Lost Films and talks about in there this, um, this lost treatment that was done by uh, Sekizawa, who was a Godzilla series writer. And so in this um there's a Toho lost scripts book that has some pages and I I've heard conflicting stories of how how authentic they are um but assuming they're authentic and you know John's a pretty reputable person he thinks that this that Sekizawa wrote a treatment so um what's not clear is you know what came first the chicken or the egg did Sekizawa come up with the idea and then those are you know, somehow we had this bridge between the Japan and the US and we ended up with the English treatment um, but like John thinks that the Sekozawa treatment came first and like if you read the treatment um, you know which the comic book is based on it it kind of points to having a, a Japanese author and that the person writing it seems to know a lot more about Japan and Godzilla than they do about Batman the really perplexing thing about that theory that it originated with Sekizawa is the character of Batgirl, who wasn't introduced into the TV series until season three. So if you just kind of put the timeline together, is Sek- uh, Sekizawa was writing The Treatment in late 65, and the series debuts in 66, and Batgirl doesn't debut until like 68. You know, just kind of how did that... You know, how did that happen? But yeah, you know, Bad Girls a, obviously she was a comic book character, so it could have been introduced in a different way. But that's that's a real question, um, and I don't know that we'll ever satisfactorily have an answer to it. So, just kind of my own personal theory is that Sekizawa, yeah, we know that they were looking for doing some over another crossover after the success of the um, King Kong versus Godzilla, and so they kicked around a couple of different. Um, crossovers, and one of them was this Batman meets Godzilla. And so from the, you know, like if you think about it from the Japan side of the house, they were ramping up for the debut of the Batman TV series in 66 because they were um, developing toys, and there was a manga, and all the stuff that that launched at the same time as the Batman TV series. So there had to be a buzz in Japan about batman tv series at least in the entertainment industry and so i would it's not hard to imagine that you know Second heard about this and it brought was brought to his attention and maybe he thought it was a good idea to you know match batman with godzilla
0: right you mentioned before chip kidd who is kind of the one that brought like bat manga to, to light in the That's in right the, um, if you have not we've mentioned the the batmanga release on our podcast before but if you've not read chip kidd's book which is the first sort of collection of that material along with information about Batman in Japan I highly recommend it and at the same time and we talked about Japan now in the states We have the first Batman movie, the 66 Batman Adam West film comes out in the summer of 66. And Mm -hmm. that movie was originally planned to be sort of a pilot for the TV series, but they pushed it to the summer. Now, where would Batman meets Godzilla fit in with the first film? Would it have come after it? Uh, I think I read in the book that it was going to be something that maybe helped fund the television series as these series of movies
1: yeah so basically, what we know is the like you indicated, so the Batman movie was intended to come out before the t v series It was you know intended to be like a promotional movie to generate excitement for the t v series and then the other thing is the t v series was really expensive uh for its time. You know, it was a color t v show when there wasn't a lot of color t v shows on, and um you know, the sets and the props and everything, so it was an expensive endeavor, and so the thinking was that. Um, William Dozier, the producer, could recoup the expenses through you know, these movies, and so you know there's you know, this idea that there were going to be multiple movies, and so that Batman meets Godzilla would have it wouldn't have been the first movie, but it certainly could have fell in you know somewhere down yeah you know, while the while the show was on those three years, or you know even somewhere after, and so kind of the way I approached it when I adapted it to um, you know to a comic book is I kind of take the assumption that the movie takes place after the TV series is canceled. And so the, and the TV series was canceled and that there was this idea that it was going to move to another network. And before they could start the TV series up at, um, at another network, all of the sets were, you know, those expensive original sets were destroyed. And so it never really happened. And so my my kind of idea or launching point for the story is that the movie takes place after the series is canceled and they fail to pick it up at another network. And they're like, hey, if we're doing a movie in Japan. We don't need those expensive sets, <laughs> you know, like the Bad Cave and everything, because, you know, we're on location in Japan. So it's kind of how I approached it. So let's talk briefly about your how you adapted it. So for those
0: who don't know what a treatment is, it is basically, instead of a full script, it is basically a summary of, this is how we think the story will go, these are the mm-hmm. characters, this is a basic idea. So it is... I think the original is maybe two to four pages, so it's not a very expansive vision of how this movie would have been. So how do you take something that is kind of very bare bones and then adapt it into a multi-issue
1: comic? Like, as a writer, where did you go from basic plot to where you are now? Yeah, so there's a lot of challenges in doing that. So I think the original treatment was like 19 pages. Um, You know, The PDF that I I have was about 19 pages. And it's really an outline for a movie, and it's like these are some cool things that could happen. So you have, um, you know, these you, know, you have the, the characters like you said, but you don't really have any dialogue, and you have basically um, you know scene to scene some some ideas like um, and there's some things that didn't make it into the comic, and there's some things that I introduced into the comic that aren't in the the treatment. So the treatment I use as a launching point, and you know, like for me, it, kind of approaching it, I, what I really wanted to do is my goal was to try to satisfy the Batman fans and the Godzilla fans. And so, you know, what, what I did to try to, you know, try to please everybody is to inject more of what was good about both. So like for Batman, um, side of the house, you know, there, Alfred is not in the treatment at all. And it's hard to imagine a Batman movie without Alfred. (laughs) So, um, so I brought Alfred in and, uh, He's got a little bit of a role in the first issue, but he's got a much bigger role in the second issue. So uh, we're setting things up in the first issue. Um, and then the, the villain that's in the treatment is kind of a generic um, German um, scientist. And you know, he doesn't have a, a name that anybody – it's not from the comics. You know, It's just a generic villain. And, um, and so I, you can't have a Batman movie without a Batman villain. And so I introduced, you um, hopefully to everybody's satisfaction, what I think is a perfect fit to be the main villain, somebody that in this case is controlling Godzilla. And, um, you know, this villain, you know, we've we've kind of, you know, we don't want to spoil who the villain is because that's one of the big payoffs for the issue one. But, you know, the idea is that we're going to have a villain that is from the Batman canon. He was introduced in uh, the 1940s. So he's a longtime villain, but he was never in the TV series. So it was kind of a great opportunity to introduce a Batman villain and somebody who would I felt like would fit really well for that bill. And then from the Godzilla side, you know, there were some things missing too. Um like there was no mention of the JSDF, which is like your traditional force uh for fighting kaiju and in these um kaiju movies. And then also too, I, I kind of went back to the movie that would have occurred before this, which was that uh Ibira Horror of the Deep. And um, I, I pulled from that this terrorist organization called Ran- Red Bamboo. And so it was like kind of ejecting some of that uh, mythology from the Godzilla side of the house into it. And so the, as, the, as the story progresses, so at issue one, we, we get a taste of Godzilla um, and we get a, you know, a, a taste of the villain. We're kind of setting everything up. And then there's payoffs in issue two and issue three where we see a lot more of Godzilla and we see a lot more of the villain, and we see um, Batgirl comes into it um, in issue two and issue three as well. So we're we're kind of setting everything up, but kind of the things I wanted to do, like we were saying, the treatment has a lot of ideas, and some of it would have been worked out before it made to the movie. So, like for instance, you know, I didn't include there's a scene where Batman and Robin are running naked through a bathhouse, and like eh, <laughs> you know, maybe that wouldn't have made it to the movie. It, so I, I kind of pulled that out. And there was some stuff that I, I really liked, but I wasn't able to keep. Like there's a, a scene in the treatment where they're being chased by like motorcycle gang. Um, that was kind of cool. But like in the treatment, there's a lot of Batman and Robin are kind of hanging out in Tokyo and bad things are happening to them. They're not really using detective skills and chasing down the villain like they would in a traditional Batman comic or movie or even the ter- TV series. And so I wanted to kind of make them you know, kind of, you know, be agents of you know, of change here and kind of um, they're using their detective skills. They're chasing down the, the bad guy. They're making things happen instead of things happening to them. And so some, some things uh, fell out of the treatment and other things I brought in, you know, the other thing like was missing from the treatment and you, and you really have to have is like a death trap. So One of the hallmarks of the Batman TV series were all these elaborate death traps that Batman and Robin find themselves in. And so I introduced one that's got kind of a Japanese twist to it, but that wasn't in the treatment I brought that in.
0: So taking from these two kind of very different. I mean, even though the sixties Godzilla the Showa era Godzilla films and the sixties Adam West Batman TV show are kind of similar in their tone and their approach. I think at this point, uh Toho was really kind of leaning more into the child market, starting with Ghidorah and moving forward until Terra of Mechagodzilla, and then the Adam West Batman show is kind of not understood for how clever it's camp really is. It's more adult and more kind of wry. How did you kind of, uh, where do you come in as a fan of these, these franchises? Like how do you kind of weave your interest in, when in them into something cohesive like this?
1: Yeah. So like my, my, um, reference point for both these franchises is from the 1970s. Um, so I, I, I grew up in the, you know, the 80s, um, but I was um, you know, a child in the 70s. And so there's two important things that happen for these uh, franchises. So for Batman, the TV series was in syndication. And so I was a, a syndication generation for the Batman TV series. And so it was always on. So, you know, like if you grew up in the 60s when it was on, you'd get to see it twice a week. But growing up in the 70s, it was on every day after school so you really got a lot of it and the show was still popular they were still um selling um you know the batmobiles the bearer's batmobile from the tv series you know you find that in the toilet aisle and all those um you know, batman tv series related things were still out there and very popular um and then the cast there was a batman um cartoon like a, i think it was a filmation cartoon uh, that had the original cast doing the voices that was on at the time so there's still you know, the Adam West Batman was still the Batman. We hadn't gotten to the eighties when we introduced the Tim Burton Batman. So for all of us growing up um, back at that time, it was still Adam West. So he, he was my reference point and just having that um, show in syndication. Godzilla for me was, (laughs) is kind of a similar situation. So in the late seventies, you had two things that were pretty important for Godzilla from for the, for Americans Um, maybe not for everybody else. So for one, you had a Godzilla cartoon series that was Saturday morning cartoon series. People most, most famously people remember like Godzilla um, and Godzuki uh, from the TV series. And it was like adventures, like uh, where there was a boat and Godzilla was coming to rescue the boat and, and Godzuki was there. So it was, it was kind of corny kind of kid oriented, but um, you know, I loved it as a kid. And then also there was a, this Shogun warrior uh, Godzilla. And so, like a two feet tall Godzilla that had the hand that shot off and, you know, it had like the fire that would come out of his mouth, like fake fire. Um, but um, you yeah, know, I had that toy. It was my favorite toy, um, you know, and it was scaled. So like, it could hold like your star Wars action figures and stuff. So it was, um, you know, it was you know, my favorite toy. I got when I was like five. And so you know, kind of growing up in the seventies, that's kind of my reference point going back to, um, you know, writing the, the script though. Yeah, you know, I had to do more research on the Godzilla side of the house than the Batman side of the house because, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't, you know, I wasn't familiar with like um, the Abira Horror of the Deep, for instance. I had never seen it, and so stuff like that, I'd had to like the '60s films for Godzilla, kind of leading up to when this movie, what the Batman Meets Godzilla movie, could have taken place. I kind of focused on that and researching that, and you know, hopefully, um, you know, as it comes across at you know, this, um, you know, the Godzilla stuff makes sense for for this matchup. And then, too, um, you know, this is a group project, so it wasn't just me. So there were other writers who came in after I started the, you know, I created the script, and then I had other writers come in. Um, and, you know, they took stabs at it and polished up the sc- um A lot of it was dialogue, just um, making some dialogue changes and there are some different suggestions, um, for, you know, how to, you know, how to make it more authentic to the TV series and stuff. So like one thing, for instance, um, the TV series is very talky. There's, <laughs> there's dialogue, just, it's all dialogue, you know? Um, and so, um, there was some dialogue that was introduced into the script that, um, I didn't have in there just to make it more authentic. And um, so uh, so that's kind of how I, I approached it was kind of uh, my love for those two uh, franchises and growing up in the 70s and how I was introduced to it. I think one thing I really liked having read the first issue is that it opens with
0: a foreword from Oscar Lilly, who is the person who's sort of the ward of the Dozier archives at the University of Wyoming and uh, kind of putting a seal of the, the sort of Dozier seal of approval onto the script and i really like that and having read the first issue and i'm not going to spoil anything because i'm hoping our listeners uh, will go read it for themselves Yes,
1: please please read it
0: <laughs> we've put links on all of our things so that people Super will know good. where to find this project um, but i really enjoy tonally what you've done with it because it, it is very hard to kind of copy the sort of writing style of someone like lorenzo simple or even stanley ralph Rallis, the people who wrote a lot of the episodes of the 60s show and the movie and that sort of very like you said talkative dry uh kind of flat dialogue that at the same time is very over the top and bombastic and kind of out there in its sincerity so before we wrap up, I do have two questions. Yeah, Both of them are from Austin, who was our basically our boss in this podcast. Uh, but questions. Uh, one of them you kind of covered. He asked uh, that he wanted to know what your favorite
1: on-screen Batman is, and the same question for your favorite Godzilla. Yeah, you know, for the on-screen Batman, you know, for at least for this project, you know, this Adam West, you know, it's, it's got you got to be like totally in the you know battle. You know, Adam West is Batman, and so like when we talk about this project, I always talk about it—the Adam West Batman. Yeah, you know, I always, yeah, I always say that. And then like you know Godzilla, um, you know, the reference point is the you know, those Toho movies, the sixties, um, kind of leading leading up to when this movie would take place. Um, you know, but I'm I'm a fan of both of them, uh, both the franchises and what where they're at today as well. You know, so I'm, um, we got exciting things happening for both franchises this year. In fact, you know, um, so I'm really keenly interested in seeing um, the new King Kong versus Godzilla, for instance. And I, I've liked the um, last two Godzilla movies, um, you know, the American made ones and so yeah, I'm, I'm fans of those as well. And then I can't wait to see um, you know, this new Batman and um, what they do with it. We're starting to see some, um, some, you know, some photos are starting to come out of the new costume and the new Batmobile. And so it's a pretty exciting time for fans of both franchises. He also wants to know, have you seen Batman Ninja? No, um, I'm familiar with it. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's an animated feature. Uh, I think like direct to video. Um, I have not seen it, but um, I've heard good things. Yeah, uh, they all seem to like it, but I was a little more
0: iffy on it. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I'll take that, Austin. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah I, I, I'm picky. I'm very known for being very picky about my Batman adaptations. And I guess another question is: Do you have a favorite kaiju other than Godzilla, or
1: a favorite Batman character other than Batman himself? Yeah. So. Um, so with um, Kaiju Mothra, I like Mothra, and uh, we're going to get a little, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away, but there's going to be some um, Easter eggs and going into the next couple books um, on these monsters. We really get more into the Kaiju um, mythology, and, you know, how, it's going to be interesting to see how does Batman face down Godzilla. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's not in a Mecca. He's not going to be, <laughs> we'll never see a Mecca Batman. Uh, facing off of Godzilla in this book because they were mechas, um, you know, at that time um, when the movie would have came out. I, tra- I mean, that's one of the things, one of the rules I tried to adhere to when I was writing the, the script was what, where were we with both of these franchises when the, um, when the movie, when, when this movie would have came out? So, like, for instance, on the Batman side of the house, you know, it was like, what gadgets was he using? You know, he wasn't using a graphic gun. <laughs> Which I would have, I would have loved to use a grappling gun, but that wasn't introduced until later. So it's always it's batterings with ropes attached to them and stuff like that. Um, and then on the you know, Godzilla's and Toho side, because there's other things we're um, pulling in from the Toho side, um, but from that same era and kind of like, um, you know, what interesting characters or or villains could we bring in from the Godzilla franchise or the Toho franchise? Not even necessarily Godzilla. Um, but, you know, kind of interesting, you know, what, how does Batman tackle Godzilla? And, um, you know, so issue two really gets more into that. Um, what, could, you know, what kind of weakness does Godzilla have that Batman can exploit? And, um, you know, Batman tends to you know, fall back on two things, his detective skills and his gadgets, right? You know, he's always prepared. And it's kind of interesting, I hope it's interesting um, how he decides to try to stop Godzilla and then what comes out of that. And then, two on top of that, you you have this villain and, and you know, how does Batman, um, you know, tackle the villain as well? And, you know, how does he get out of this death trap that we see in issue one? You know, all this stuff um, kind of um, we're setting up for a lot of action, a lot of fun in the next couple of issues. How many issues you have projected for this story? it's it's three issues we're going to do on this. And um, so, you know, this first issue is kind of setting up the characters Um, issue two, we're going to see a lot of action and, um, and then, you know, issue three um, more action and then kind of wrapping up things. um, I think there's going to be a little epilogue at the, that uh, I'm kind of working on uh, for issue three, kind of where we see the characters, you know, how does this affect their world? You know, they, we we have this you know showdown and then kind of how does this change their worlds afterwards and so there's going to be uh, some interesting twists i think I'm, I'm hoping that um that people won't see coming in terms of how does this uh, impact batman and what we think of a, a batman and then like godzilla is he is he a force of good is he a force of bad or is he you know yeah how does he come out of this uh, i don't want to give too much away but those are the kind of things I'm thinking about as I'm writing this is, you know, how does this, you know, how, how can this be fun? And, but how does this also kind of resonate in their worlds? Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking
0: the time to talk about this project with us today. I'm, I really hope that people go out and, and read it and support it because I think it's amazing that you've taken something that's kind of fallen by the wayside and become this historical oddity and brought it into 2020. So if people want to read Batman Meets Godzilla or keep up with news about
1: it, where can they find it? So the easiest is you can go right to www.batmanmeetsgodzilla.com um, from there, you'll see links to Twitter. If you want to go direct to Twitter, we're um, at Batman Meets God One. And um, you know, so we're updating daily. And so we got some cool things. So issue one just came out. We're going to be doing an, an auction here. I um, want to try to do in March where we actually have the artists um, are um, going to auction off some of their original work. So kind of interesting because you know, this is a digital project. It's not going to be printed anywhere we're not doing this for money so we'll we'll never be selling this but you you know for the fans out there who are interested they can own a physical piece of the project by um, buying some art from these artists and they're great artists Um, we get to talk too much about them but one of the things i want to say is that i mean the project obviously wouldn't be possible without the artists, and um you know from the cover that was done by kerouac um you know all through you know there's uh, you know several artists that we employ on on this project and when i say employ they're volunteers everybody's doing this for the love of of, uh, batman and and godzilla but you know there's a so there's going to be fun um some fun things coming up. so it'll be a chance to buy a piece of um of the project um buy some artwork from these artists and and then you know we've been doing t-shirt giveaways so one of um the project members uh Rodney Rod, this did this uh really cool Batman meets Godzilla t-shirt design where you get Batman doing kind of a Godzilla dance and Godzilla doing the batutsi <laughs> and that's been kind of fun and popular. Um we got so we got some stuff we'll be giving away It's worth checking out or, or following us on Twitter and having a chance to win some of that stuff and also um uh, keeping up to date on you know what what we're doing with issue 2 and stuff. I'll be doing some peeks uh sneak peeks on in you know, art and some some ideas and stuff like that as we go through the time um leading up to issue two. And right now I'm hoping issue two will be like early summer, so um maybe late June. Eric, thank you again so much
0: for being on the podcast with us tonight. And again you can find out more at batmanmeetsgodzilla.com dot com or at and I really do love this Twitter handle at Batman Meets God <laughs> <Yeah>, one
1: that- <laughs> <laughs> that was serendipity. Um, you know, uh, they, uh, Twitter gave me that. Thanks, Sully, for your time, and I really appreciate you promoting the project, and uh, thanks to everyone um, associated with the podcast. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. So this has been the third Impact Anime Podcast, and you can catch us on the same bat time, same bat channel. Am I allowed to say that? I'll let Oscar figure that out one out.